Thank you, everyone. Uh, I'll tell you what, give yourself another round of applause. Life community, you're doing such good things in our community, and I think that that needs to be applauded over and over again. We have some great teams here that are always working, they're always praying, they're always partnering, and so it's just, it just creates a great culture and a great environment to be able to be a part of. It really is truly an honor. It really is truly a privilege to know people that are like you. It really is that are generous, that are willing to get out there in the community and do what they have to do to meet the needs. And so thank God for every one of you. Uh, there's people that maybe you're online and uh, you, you're part of this too. And so just want to keep encouraging you and tell you thank you for all that you're doing and all that you've done. Isn't God good to us this morning? Amen. How many had a good Christmas? I had a great Christmas. I'm going to tell you a little bit about it. But um, I also want to give a good cheer to our East Mesa folks. And so if you don't know, today we have some of our folks that are from our East Mesa church. I'm the campus pastor there. We're over on University in Crisman, and we meet every Saturday at uh, 630 uh, in the evening. And so we have some of our folks here from East Mesa. Thank you guys for coming out today. Let's give them a good cheer. <laughs> and so we have a special treat for us East Mesa folks. Afterwards, we're going to go to Dragon Walk and have some... Uh, some fellowship, right? Dragon Walk's just right down the plaza. And so, guys, we'll hang out here for a little bit, and then we'll meet over there, and we'll have a good time. We'll eat some good Chinese food. Thank God for Chinese food, too. So, I don't know if you know this, but I have a devil that lives in my house. And I'll explain it to you, and I'll explain to you why this is even relevant today. And I know Pastor Delmer's probably online watching, freaking out, like, what is this guy talking about? But uh, I do. I have a sun devil that lives in my house. Her name is Jessica Sablaski. This is my wife. And so uh, and I'm going to give you the backstory behind. Yeah, she's a, a proud graduate. Uh, you know, what is it? Forks up. Is it forks up. There you go. Forks up. Any, any ASU uh, graduates in the house? Any ASU fans? Well, thank God for you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you need Jesus. No, I'm, I'm joking. And so. Uh, let me show you this picture real quick, or a few pictures. Uh, David, if you could go ahead and post some of these pictures real quick. And I'm going to give you the story behind this. I'm just not trying to show off my, my awesome wife. Uh, but uh, here she is. This is 2018. Uh, she had just graduated. She just got her bachelor's from, the a from ASU. Go ahead and flip to the next one. There's the cake. Go ahead and flip to the next one. There, there's the, the father-in-law and the kids there, and I have such a great uh, group of in-laws. I really do. They're, they're awesome. I love spending time with them, and I do thank God for them. And then we, do we have another one? Oh, there's my sister-in-law and Jessica. There you go. Let me tell you. <laughs> but let me give you the story behind this. Now, in uh, 2015, we received a call. At this time, my wife and I, my whole family, we had relocated from Arizona. Okay, so in one year, we went from San Diego to Arizona to South Carolina. And we were living in South Carolina with the intentions of planning a church. And uh, things just kind of went crazy. Things kind of went hay haywire. We were involved in an organization, a, a Christian community, and uh, things were just getting a little bit too hectic for us, too controlling for us, and it was getting unhealthy for us. And so what we did was uh, we decided, you know what, we were burnt out, we didn't know what to do, but we knew that God wanted to do something else. I don't know if you've ever been there, but God wanted to do something else with us. And so what we did was we, we backed out of the organization, but we found, our, at our, we found ourselves because of uh, things that we had been taught and things that we had, uh, you know, just accepted in our hearts and in our lives, that our destiny was over for God. 
We really did. We thought that there was no way that we were going to be able to do anything for God again. We thought that our destiny was tied to this certain organization because that what was preached. That was, that's what was told to us over and over again. And so we found ourselves very uh, at a place of very low confidence. Imagine, you know, living your whole life or your whole Christian life trying to work up this, uh, you know, you're, you're working up all these good works and you're, you're doing everything you got to do and your whole destiny was poured into planting churches because that's what me and my wife did. We planted churches. And then all of a sudden, life gets wrecked. And we didn't know what to do. We had no idea what to do. We were even scared to go to different churches. I know it sounds weird. I know it sounds weird. But it was because of what we were taught. We were scared. We thought that that church was the only thing that had it really going on, that they were all the only true church. I know it sounds weird. Just follow me. But I knew and we knew that when God first came into our lives, that he is real. And we knew that he loved us. And we knew that he wouldn't give up on us no matter what, no matter what. And I want to tell you that there was a true gift in knowing him. So 2015, we're in South Carolina living there at the time, trying to plant a church in North Carolina. We back out, and now we're like lost, 2,000 miles away from home, 2,000 miles away from everyone that we knew, everything that we knew, no. And we didn't go forward financially. We didn't go forward in our education, anything like that. We, our whole life was just this little narrow box, this little small box. We get a call from an in-law, an uncle. He's my in-law, but her uncle. And he says, Jessica, I want to do something for you. I want to give you a gift. And we're like, what is he talking about? What? We haven't really seen him that much. We haven't been that close to him. He, he loves his, his nieces and nephews with all his heart. He says, well, this is what I want to do for you guys. I want to go ahead. I want to fund your education, Jessica. I want to pay for the rest of your education. You pick a university. You get accepted into a university, and I'm going to pay that for you. And see, I'm not sure even today if uh, uh, Uncle Jay, I'll call him, knows the impact that that gift that he gave us made on our hearts and in our lives. We were at a very low point. We did not want to go forward, but because somebody believed in us and because somebody invested in us, it sparked aspiration, it sparked motivation and all the other shuns you, should, you, know, you can think of. Amen. And we were able to you know, get motivated enough to climb out of our self-pity, to climb out of our little rut that we were in. And I know you may have faced bigger adversities, but this was major for us at the time. And I, you know, I, I'm sorry that I'm going you know, so low so early. <laughs> it's going to get better, I promise. <laughs> Pastor Delmer, I know you're watching. It's going to get better. <laughs> and this gift was able to do something significant in our life. We recognized we do have value. There was things that, are, that were in our hearts and in our lives that were already there but were buried because of all the issues that we kind of went through. I don't know if you've ever been there. You know, we've got all these shortcomings, and we let all those shortcomings bury all the good stuff that God's trying to do or what's happening in our hearts or all the skills and all the talents that we have, and we let it bury. But something happened with that gift that we got, and it began to draw out some good stuff that was still in us. 
And I believe in this place that there's some good stuff in all of you. That there are some good things in all of you that at times life can try to bury, or even the enemy can try to bury, but God's able to pull it out. I want to talk about the best gift of all. Now, we thank God for Uncle Jay and his gift. We really do. If you could, pray for him. He had a stroke, and he's doing, we're so proud of him because he's doing the best that he can to work his way and do all the rehab and do all that good stuff, and so he needs a special prayer. And we thank God for his gift, but how many know in this place that the gift that God gave us through his son is so much, it reaches so, so much further than any gift that we can trade back and forth, you know, yesterday. Thank God for family. Thank God for the gifts. Thank God for, you know, if you got some money, praise the Lord, right? And your little card there. But there's a gift that I think God wants us to really know and really embrace, and that's the gift of knowing him. There's a, there's a theme that runs throughout the whole Bible. You know, you read, <laughs> you read the first three pages of the Bible, and uh, you'll see that humanity goes pretty low pretty quick. And that God's there in the midst and God's there and working on our behalf. And he's trying to, you know, he's, 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 he's got this plan and his plan is to save us and to know us. And so God, if you read, read through your Bible, the main, one of the main themes is that you know him, he knows you. You love him, he loves you. And because all of all of that, you're able to put things aside and you're able to love other people too, right? Because he loves your neighbor just as much as he loves you, all that good stuff. But one of the main themes is that you know him and he knows you. I want to read an interaction between Jesus, Thomas, and Philip. If you don't know who Thomas and Philip are, they are some uh, early adopters in Jesus' movement. They begin to follow. <laughs> what I'm trying to say is they were his disciples. They begin to follow Jesus. Uh, and they begin to get real close to Jesus. And so they're, they're confused about what this life with Jesus is all about. And let me read it out to you. It, you. it should be in your bulletin in John chapter 14. And it's a kind of a lengthy portion of scripture. But I just want you to l- just listen to this interaction. This is Jesus speaking. He says, your heart must not, must not be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my father's house, there are many dwelling places. If not, I would have told you. I'm going away to prepare a place for you. If I go away and prepare a place for you, I will come back and receive you to myself so that where I am, you may be also. You know the way to where I am going. Lord, Thomas said, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus replies, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Everybody loves that portion of scripture, right? No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, I will show you, I, excuse me, you will also know my father. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Lord, Philip said, show us the father. Or he's saying, give me a sign. Give me some kind of sign, Lord. And that's enough for us. Jesus said to him, I have been among you all this time without your knowing me. This is, Jesus is really concerned about this. I've been around you this whole time, and you don't know me? The one who has seen me has seen the Father. 
How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I speak to you, I do not speak on my own. The Father who lives in me does, excuse me, the Father who lives in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Oh, my goodness. Otherwise, believe because of the works themselves. I assure you, you can bank on this. When Jesus says, I assure you, or verily, verily, you can bank on this. The one who believes in me will also do the works that I do, and he will do even greater works than these, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, I'll do it, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I'll do it. If you love me, you keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. He is the Spirit of truth. The world is unable to receive him because it doesn't see him or know him. Remember, he told Philip, he told Thomas, you know me. That's the important factor here. But you do know him because he remains with you, and he will be in you, and I will not leave you as orphans. I am coming to you. And then he mic drops. No, he doesn't. And I know that this is a lot to take in. But Jesus' concern for these guys is not how much Bible do you know. His concern is not how much history do you know. His concern is, is that, come on, guys, you know me. I've been walking with you. I've been talking with you. Where are, where are these questions coming from? And you don't know me by, by now? You see, it's very crucial. It's very important in this walk with God, in this journey with God. You know, uh, I shared to you just a little bit of our story, and I could go on and on and on, and, you know, how things aren't fair and all that other stuff. But the one thing that kept us in our journey, because, you know, religion can get kind of mixed up too, right? The one thing that kept us is that we knew him. We ignored him for a while and started adopting other traditions and other ways of man and all that other stuff. But we knew him, and this is what kept us and got us back on track. I want to look at, first of all, the gift of knowing him must be received in order to reveal its real value. How many of you get excited when you, uh, you know, yesterday or saw the excitement on kids' faces uh, when they were about to get the gift, right? And they're there and they're, you know, they're, they're trying to forecast what is this going to be. They're trying to speculate uh, and they're shaking it and they want to know what's in there, what's in there. But they will never truly know what is in there. They'll never truly know what it is unless they themselves, right, unwrap it. They get it out of the box. They cut whatever they need to cut, get through the tape and all the little cords and all that other stuff. How many have been there? And then... They finally dive into the box and they grab that toy or whatever it is. And they, oh, yeah, this is awesome. This is great. And they get familiar with it. They get to know it. The gift of knowing him must be received in order to reveal its real value. And so we, too, have to understand the importance of unwrapping this relationship with Jesus. That it's more than just, you know, hearing some good words. It's more than hearing just a, a great message. Uh, these things will get you by for a while, and they'll get you going for a while. But really what's going to keep you lasting for eternity is the unwrapping this real, awesome relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. 
See, Philip struggles with this. And what he really is really struggling with is he's struggling to trust Jesus. He's actually with Jesus. He's walking and talking with the physical Jesus, and he's still having doubts of what is, what's this thing all about. And, and I think at times we can kind of be there. And so Philip is struggling. Do I trust this guy? Please consider this morning you can trust Jesus. You can trust him with your life. You can trust him with your children. You can trust him with your finances. You can keep trusting him with every other thing that comes up in your mind that, that bothers you at night. You can trust him with it. See, Philip, he asked Jesus for a sign. And Philip says, you can know the father right now if you know me. You can know him right now if you know me. You don't have to wonder anymore. You don't have to search anywhere else. You don't have to go wherever you're going to go, Philip. You can know him right now if you know me. It's hard for Philip to unwrap this. You know, the, the beginning portion of the scripture that I read out to you, it says, don't let your heart be troubled. Don't let your heart be troubled. And I want, I want you to maybe consider in this place, have your hearts been troubled lately? Have your hearts been troubled lately? Have, have issues uh, that you've seen on the news or uh, issues within your home, have they troubled you lately? Jesus says, okay, okay, don't let your heart be troubled. Calm down. You can trust me with this. I've got this, Philip. This is a safe place. He goes on and he says that he's going to prepare a place for them. You, you, you know, we read it out in John. I'm going, and where I'm going, I'm going to prepare a place for you. This is going to be a safe place. This is a place for you to dwell. And you don't have to worry about uh, what, 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 what's my future going to bring me. I'll tell you what the future is going to bring me. The future is going to bring you a place in the Father's house. This is what he tells them. I'm investing in your well-being. I'm going to prepare a place for you. I won't leave you alone as orphans. That's how he, this scripture ends. I won't leave you all to yourself. I won't leave you by yourself. There is more than just little old you that is involved in this battle or whatever it is that you're going through. I won't leave you alone. I don't want any raised hands right now, but many children and many people that have grown up in either parentless homes or fatherless homes, what it can create is an insecurity. It can create an insecurity. And you, they're always wondering, am I going to make it today? Am I going to have the, the clothes to wear? Am I going to have the shoes to wear? Am I, am I going to have enough food to eat? Am I going to have, you know, is my college education going to get paid for? Am I going to be able to succeed? There's an affirmation from the father that is not there. And so it leaves them very insecure. And I'm here to share with you, and I'm here to tell you that we're not orphans. Jesus says, don't worry about this. I won't leave you as orphans. I'm not going to leave you all by yourself. I know I'm getting too serious, right? Sorry. You don't have to worry about the lack of security I'm connecting you to the Father. I'm connecting you to the Father. Don't worry about it. He's got all the connections. He's got all the connections. He knows what's going on in every nation. 
He knows what's in your account. He knows the problems that that your children are facing. He knows it. I can connect you to him, he says. The one who knows it all. In the Bible, we read in Isaiah, Isaiah 9, I believe it is, and it talks about the titles of Jesus and that he's the wonderful counselor, the prince of peace. This wonderful counselor title, this, this word wonderful, this word wonderful, what it's trying to get at is that it's outside the realm of human ability. This wonderful counselor, this wonderful one that can guide us and help us and give us counsel, it's outside the, the realm of human ability How many know, man, there are so many things that are going on and very fast all around us. That's what we need. We need the wonderful counselor. We need the prince of peace, the one that can calm our hearts down. Let's not be troubled now. He tells them, I'm coming back to you. I'm coming back. I'm not going to leave you alone as orphans, but I'm going to come back. What does that tell you and I in this place? You and I are very significant. You're so significant. Jesus says, I'm going to go prepare a place for you. I'm going to build a place for you. And guess what? You're not orphans. And guess what? I'm coming back. I'm not going to leave you in all this mess. Oh, man. I know people want to take off to Mars and, you, you know, you want to catch a ride with Elon Musk. And who knows? It may happen. I don't know. But I know this is what I do know. I'm not a theologian, but this is what I know about Jesus, and this is what he said. I'm not going to leave you alone, Roy. You can go as far as you want, Roy. You can go as far. You can, wherever you want. You can go 2,000 miles away, 4,000 miles away. I'm not going to leave you alone. Isn't that reassuring? See, the essence of the gospel or the good news is a personal knowing God. It's personal knowing God. This is the source from which we gain all of our joy, all of our peace. This is the source where our journey flows from. And so we have to ask ourselves in this place, is have I really received the greatest gift of all? Do I know him? And I'm not doubting anyone's faith because I've been at a place. I've walked, you know, we've been, my, my wife has been saved since 99 I've been saved since 2000. That means I've st- I started to follow Jesus. That's what saved means. You know, that's what saved means to me anyways. I started to try to follow Jesus with all my heart in the year 2000. And I'll tell you what, it hasn't been roses. It hasn't been gumdrops, lollipops, all that good stuff, right? There's been some challenges. There's been some, some hard places. It hasn't been the best. But what has kept us going in our journey, and I believe it would have keep you going on your journey, you got to know him. You got to know him. When the enemy comes in and tries to lie to you and says, you don't know him. You don't know. You don't know Jesus. Well, you don't know Jesus like the preacher knows Jesus. Good. That's probably, you're probably better off. <laughs> and you don't know Jesus like that person. Good. You know him the way you know him. You're significant. You're unique. There's no one like you. Let's look at secondly. Secondly, oh, okay. Let me get let me get it get down the road. Okay. Second, 
The gift of knowing him is especially designed for you to grow in his love and his wisdom. God never intends for you to be a cookie-cutter disciple or a cookie-cutter Christian. I'll explain that in a second. You are unique, and God knows exactly who he's working with. You'll hear this word over and over again if you sit in church for any amount of time. You'll hear the word discipleship. Don't let me get you all mixed up or confused. Discipleship simply means, it's a buzzword, and it's an old-school buzzword, I guess, uh, for following Jesus. Letting his love grow in your heart and in you. Amen. When we get, when we decide to follow Jesus, we become a disciple. We begin to learn of him, I hope, right? We begin to know him, I hope. He begins to work with us and our unique issues. You know, discipleship is not a cookie cutter thing. Now, there's some basics that we should be you know, involved in. But all of us in this place, we all have individual issues. That's what I'll call them, issues. Things that God needs to work in us or work out of us, right? And he does that. He does it so awesomely. You see, in the scripture, it says in John 14, 12, I read it to you earlier. He says, I assure you, excuse me, Got my alarm. There you go. Uh, excuse, uh, he says in, in verse 12, I assure you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do. Now, part of this whole thing is, is that when we're following Jesus, we start to take on his likeness. And I know that might seem like, well, no, man, I'm not like Jesus. Trust me, neither am I. Neither am I. You know, uh, by myself and alone and left to myself, I am not like Jesus. But he, he says here, I'm going to give you a helper. He says, I'm going to send somebody that's going to help you. It's talking about his spirit. The spirit of Jesus, the spirit of God is going to help you to transform into his likeness. That means when I want to fight with you, the spirit of God is going to deal with my heart and say, no, Roy, make peace with them. That means when I want to call you a bad name, and it's just not all about behavior, okay? That's not what I'm trying to get at. It's just easy ones to pick on. He says, I assure you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do, and he will even do greater works than these because I am going to the Father. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. That's, and then he says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor, another helper, and he will uh, to be with you forever. He is the spirit of truth. Uh, God is wanting to get so close and so uh, just right there, and you know him, and he knows you, that you begin to come, become like him. I know it's weird. I know. And if you want to grow out your hair like he did, then great. I can't. Trust me, I've tried. My kids make fun of me. Dad, quit trying to grow out your hair again. Oh, man. If you want to wear robes to church. No, I'm playing. I'm playing. But trend experts, let me tell you what trend experts say. They say that the more urbanized and high tech that we become, also, along with it comes along with that is there is a yearning for high touch. Let me explain that. That means that we desire meaningful relationships and we desire more and more. The more high tech, the more virtual we go, the more and more we search for significance, the more and more we search for meaningful relationships. And so you got one thing pulling you way over here. You got one thing pulling you way over there and your little heart's in the middle. Being torn. Right? And Jesus says, 
you're significant, so significant that I'll be with you and I'll walk with you and I'll help you to work on all of these things and all of these issues. That's how important that you really are. You know, so many people are looking in social media, and I'm not trying to bash social media. There's some good things that you can use it for. Uh, but listen, if you, are, if you are so involved in other people's lives, and you're not able to recognize the tension and the issues in your own life and in your, home, in your own home, then put it away for a while. Put it away. You can know what's going on. You can have a grip on the reality of their life, but not have a grip on the reality of yours. And Jesus desires that we have meaningful relationships, not only with each other, but with him. The moment that we choose to unwrap this gift, we jump in and we follow Christ. Something happens. We're given help. We're given help. You see, the people that are... uh, being transformed into Jesus likeness are not just the preachers, right? Or not just the people that are like on church staff or, or in a ministry. It's each and every one of us. He says, I'm going to, this is what he says. He says, the one who believes in me, who believes in Jesus? Raise your hand. If not, we're going <laughs> to pray for you afterwards. <laughs> That's a reverse altar call. Did you guys see that? Uh, <laughs> The one who believes in me will also do the works that I do, and he will do even greater works than these because I'm going to the Father. He says here, guess what? Once you say yes to me and you begin to know me, now you're one of my ministers. Now you're one of my helpers. I'm going to put my helper in you because the helper in you is going to want to help other people because that's what Jesus does. That's his spirit. Right? And so I know that everyone thinks that the the pastor is the front line you know, have you, ever, have you ever heard that? Have you sat in church for a while? You know, the pastor, man, he's facing all the devil's attacks. He's, pace, he's facing all the devil's assaults. You got to pray for the pastor. Yeah, you should pray for him. But come on. This is a fortified building here. We have systems in place to help us out. Let's help us pastor guys out. There's a, a group of people that come every week and they cheer us on. Yeah, 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 yeah. I believe... I believe, (laughs) was that funny? (laughs) I believe that you all are the front line. I believe that you all are the front line. You really are. You know, I appreciate that God is willing to work with such diverse people as us. We come from all different backgrounds and all different careers. That's the way that Jesus did it, right? When Jesus went in, he didn't go and grab the pastors or the priests. Who did he grab? Who did he want to teach? Who did he want to walk with? Who did he want to, you know, argue some things out? The fishermen, the carpenters, right? And whoever else, the tax collector. These were his frontline guys. This was his frontline crowd. Who else? John the Baptist? The crazy cousin? Right? John the Baptist. If you guys don't know about him, read about him. He was crazy. How many has got a crazy, crazy cousin? Everybody's raising their hand. I've got a lot of them. You know, poor John the Baptist, he had to protect his neck, you know? That's a Wu-Tang Clan uh, reference. Protect your neck. Uh, don't, go, don't go listen to that song online. Don't go listen to it. <sighs> he tried with Judas. He really tried with Judas, right? He gave Judas a shot. We give anybody a shot, right? Daniel. Now I'm going Old Testament now. 
Daniel, he lived in Babylon. It was the worst government ever. He was under the worst administration ever. Let that sink in. (laughs) Ever. Babylon, Babylon. Oh, how you've fallen. He was in the worst government ever, but he was elevated because of his wisdom, because of his relationship with the Lord. That, that helper in him, that wisdom, it, it soaked all into his heart and his soul, and it affected everyone that he talked to, every, every business that he attended to, right? He was an expert. Daniel was an expert in, in, uh, in emotional intelligence. Joseph was a prison trustee. Go read it. He was. He was a prison trustee. And then he became an amazing, amazing administrator. He was awesome in organizational leadership. He was an expert. Listen, Joseph was an expert in economic forecasting. Read it. Go read it out. What a diverse group that God is working with. Who else? Nehemiah. He was a fundraising politician. Thank you, Lord. But it was for the kingdom. Man, there's room enough for everyone in this. Moses, an educated rancher. Esther, she was a beauty queen on a mission to raise awareness, wasn't she? I know, I'm kind of. So today in our community, there's careers here that are, there's careers and there's people with skills here that touch every part of our community. You're significant, you're unique. God has placed you where you're at for a reason. You know him. He knows you. Man, you're good. You can thrive in any situation. You can thrive in any career. We have teachers. We have mentors. We have principals. We have uh, the people that are in the hospita- hospitality field, food service, medical care. God's placed you there. You see, in the Old Testament, there was a place called the Holy of Holies. And in the Holy of Holies... Uh, what would happen is the priest was designated, uh, you know, uh, and they would he what he would do is he would go give a sacrifice for the sin of the people. It wouldn't take away the sins of the people, wouldn't take them all away. It was more like an interest payment on their sin. Amen. It wouldn't erase all the sin. It would just, you know, uh, OK, we're good now for the year. Are we good for this year? Yeah, we're good for this year. And then he'd make his way out. And sin was kind of smoothed over for a little bit. But the Bible says that when Jesus died on the cross, and this is where I'm getting to, that when Jesus died on the cross, something happened. He cried out, it is finished, meaning the debt has been paid in full. And then the Bible says, it records that there was a veil that separated this presence of God where the priests would go into and they would sacrifice for the sins. There was a veil that no one could get through, no one except for that priest. He was the... Supposedly the frontline guy that t- at that time. But the Bible says that when Jesus died and said it is finished, the, the veil ripped from the top to the bottom. Not from the bottom to the top, top to the bottom. No. And something special happened. What that tells you and I in this place is that we all have access now. We all have access to the presence of God. We all, if we're struggling with sins, we can take it to the throne of God and say, God, here it is. Here I am. I'm the man. I did it. Or I'm the woman. I did it. Here it is. Come on, God. You know me. I know you. Let's get this over with. I love you, God. No longer do you have to go through anyone else. You go straight to the source. 
Thank you, Jesus, right? I don't know about you, but there's some things I've done in my life that I don't want to tell you guys. I don't want to tell the cops either. <laughs> when has God ever faced a barrier that kept his love and his influence from us? Away from us. When has he's never faced a barrier that has kept his love and kept him from knowing you? Never throughout history, throughout time. If we can get the band up here, we'll get the band and I promise I'll close here. God has never faced a barrier that is going to keep him from you. Let's look at history. You can look at history. You can look at all of that. Everything that we've tried to come up with and everything that the devil and the enemy and whoever else is out there trying to mess with you, right, and mess with humanity, everything God has simply either just jumped and leaped right over that barrier or he just totally crushed the barrier and went right through it. And the whole reason is so that he would know you. Nothing has held him back. Nothing's held him back. Right now, there's nothing that's holding back, holding you back from knowing him. Romans says this. Let me read it out. Romans chapter 8. I don't think it's in your bulletin. It says, if God is for us, no one can stand against us, and God is with us. He even let his own son suffer for us. God gave his son for all of us. This is the easy-to-read version, because I like that better. It says, so now with Jesus, God will surely give us all things. Who can accuse the people of God has that God has chosen? No one. God is the one who makes them right. Who can say that God's people are guilty? No one. Christ Jesus died for us. But that is not all. He was also raised from death, and he now sits at God's right-hand side, speaking to him for us. Can you imagine this with me? Jesus, right now, is speaking to God the Father on your behalf. Look at Roy down there. He's trying to tell him that I love him. He's trying to tell them what I did for them. Look at that. He's there. Look at her. She's struggling. At home, she's struggling. Let's, let's encourage her. Let's help her. I know she can make it. He's standing at the right-hand side of God, and he's speaking on your behalf. Can anything separate us from Christ's love? Can trouble or problems or persecution separate us from his love? This is what the Scripture says. If we have no food or clothes or, or face danger or even death, will that separate us from his love? As the scriptures say, for, for you, we are in danger of death all the time. People think we're worth no more than sheep to be killed. Verse 37. But in all these troubles, we have a complete victory through God who has shown us his love. Yes, I am sure that nothing can separate us from God's love. Listen to what he says. Not death, life, angels, ruling spirits. I'm sure that nothing now, nothing in the future, no powers, nothing above us, nothing below us, nothing in the world created will ever be able to separate us from the love that God has shown us in Christ Jesus. Question is, is do you know this love this morning? 
Do you want this love this morning? Nothing is holding you back. I want to close with this story. The man that I'm going to tell you about, he wasn't a Scrooge. He was kind. He was decent. He was generous to his family. He was upright in all of his dealings. But he just didn't believe in all the incarnation stuff, the whole, you know, God coming in the form of a man through Jesus. He just didn't believe it. And so he told his wife at, right before the Christmas Eve service, I'm not going to make it. I'll stay home. I'm going to hang out here. You guys go have a great time at the Christmas Eve service. Go have fun. I'll be back. Or I'll, I'll be here when you come back. So as he was sitting there and the car was driving off, he's sitting by the fire. There's snow that begins to come down. He's got this big window that's there in his living room. And he hears these thuds. They begin to hit the window. Thud, thud, thud. And so he gets up. He's like, what is this? What's going on? I'm all by myself. What's this noise? And so he goes out and he looks through the window and he sees these little birds that are in the snow. So it dawns on him, these birds, they, what they've done is they're trying to get away from this snowstorm. And they flew and they hit this window and now they're, you know, not doing so good. And so he thinks to himself, what can I do for these birds? What am I going to do? And it dawns on him, oh, we have a nice warm barn that these birds can go into. And so he puts on his galoshes, he puts on his jacket, and he's going to go out and he's going to try to get these little birds to, to go into the barn, right? He wants them to go into a place of safety, a place of refuge, a place that's going to keep them good for a while to get out of the storm and then he goes out there and he tries you know uh, he tries to flap his arms and they just look at him and they start scuttling away you know it, he tries to pick them up but they they scatter and they run and so he thinks to himself oh, i know if i go get some breadcrumbs then he goes in and he runs inside he goes and grabs some breadcrumbs and he tries to leave a trail for them back into the barn he turns on the light in the barn so that they can see like hey there's a light here just go this way. Go towards the light. And they still don't know. And then he thinks to himself, if I could only turn into a bird, if I could only turn into a bird, then I could communicate with them. And I could let them know that I care about them, that I don't want to scare them, that I, I really want something better for them. I want them to get into this warm place. If I could only become a bird, and then it dawns on him, he hears the church bells begin to ring, and something dawns on him. And he says, my goodness, this is what God did for me through his son, Jesus. So many people have been so fearful of the Lord and so fearful. And you know, all along the way, God leaves these trails and tries to get you into safety and all this other stuff, and it didn't work. And so God says, you know what? I have to send my son. Because he'll be able to relate to them. They'll be able to know him. He'll be able to talk like them. He'll be able to relate and know what they go through. And so he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to us. What a, what a wonderful Savior that you and I have. The Bible says that he emptied himself. He came from heaven to earth. He's coming back again. That's what he says. You may be troubled. But I want to tell you, embrace, receive the best gift of all. 
Don't let it go. I know the tendency is that once we get a nice little gift, we play with it for a little while. And then that newness, it wears off. So many good people that are around you, they're like gifts. Don't let it wear off. Appreciate them. Our relationship with the Lord, don't let it wear off. Appreciate it. In this new year, the challenge, appreciate and affirm the people that are around us and the gifts that are all around you, that God has placed all around you. Appreciate and do something great with, this, with his son, the best gift of all, knowing him.